This episode is brought to you by swineweb.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Swine Doc Pod with Carthage. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson. I'm your host of today's episode, and it is my absolute privilege to have with us one of the finest swine veterinarians, not only in the world, but within our Carthage Veterinary Services team, Dr. Attila Farkas. Dr. Farkas, how are you doing, sir? Great. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure well, to be here. Thanks for being on here. Um, we're going to talk today, Attila, about a topic that is not always fun to talk about, but one that is um, critical and urgent for pig producers here in the United States, and that's African swine fever. You, Attila, have had experiences with African swine fever. Um, you want to talk a little bit about you know, what African swine fever is. I know our audience is pretty familiar with it, but what is African swine fever? Why should U.S. producers be scared of it? And when you've seen African swine fever, you know, is it as bad as everybody says it is? Sure. Uh, yeah. African swine fever is a devastating infectious disease of pigs, which results in high mortality rate. It is only affecting pigs, so it's not a zoonotic disease. It cannot be transmitted to humans. But when pigs do get infected with it, it results in catastrophic economical impacts. So uh, currently, we do a lot of research in trying to develop a commercial vaccine. But unfortunately, as of today, we do not have a commercial vaccine. We do have a couple of vaccine candidates that we believe that down the road could make a potential vaccine to protect against this disease. But as of today, uh, unfortunately, we do not have a commercial vaccine. So when pigs do get infected after they start showing clinical signs, mortality rate is very, very high. Yeah, it's uh, kind of the perfect storm of a disease. We don't really have a way to prevent it. Um, almost all the pigs die. And then we also lose market access because, you know, no country wants to bring ASF contaminated meat in, you know, via their pork products. You've had some experiences, personal experiences with ASF um, in, in Europe. Um, any, any comments you could share with folks out there? Is, is it as bad as what we hear? Uh, unfortunately, I do believe that it's worse than what we hear. It, it is absolutely devastating. It's devastating for uh, the producers. It's devastating for the pigs. Um, it causes a lot of havoc, uh, havoc on the initial outbreak. It is... Uh, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of co collaborations between different uh, government agencies, producers, to be able to successfully tackle this disease. In Europe currently, uh, uh, the, the way that the disease is handled is way different than in Asia. In Europe, if you have a positive case and it's confirmed that it's a positive case, the whole farm goes through depopulation, cleanup, and uh, downtime before you are allowed to populate pigs. In China, uh, you are allowed to use the tooth extraction method, which means that you only need to get rid of the animal that is testing positive on a PCR test. So there's significant differences between how the two continents are handling the disease. It sounds like the uh, testing is a pretty important part of it. If you test positive in Europe, your entire site has to be depopulated and cleaned up. Uh, maybe in other countries, it's not the entire site, but those individual pigs are gone for sure. So it seems like that test result is a pretty critical part of it. Yes, you're absolutely correct. 
what um, so what are the tests that we can run here in the United States or other places in the world? What sort of test um, process do we use and what are the sample types? Ready. There are only a few validated uh, tissues and uh, sample types available for ASF diagnostics currently. Amongst those uh, tests are uh, tissue samples, more specifically tonsils, uh, spleen, uh, bone marrow, uh, and uh, whole blood for PCR testing. We can also test for uh, ASF out of the serum via ELISA testing. That means, but uh, this test, the ELISA test is very non-specific. There's a high rate of false negatives. Currently, uh, it's about an 80% confidence rate for their diagnostic. And what about, what about here in the United States, Attila? Are we doing any surveillance for ASF right now? Is it just no news is good news or is there some testing going on? There is active surveillance going on in the United States. Uh, the spleen, uh, whole blood, uh, there, there's been a couple of tissues and whole blood that has been validated so far. Um, among those samples would be uh, spleen, um, uh, lymph nodes, and I believe whole blood. Those are the three current sample types that are uh, validated in the United States. Yeah, and it may be uh, tonsil as well now, if I remember right, but it's a pretty short and select list. And, um, you know, I don't know about you and what you carry in inventory in your vehicle, but I typically don't have the blood tubes to collect whole blood. I don't even have the right equipment. Um, and certainly if you're talking about, you know, spleen, uh, lymph node, tonsil, any of that sort of stuff, you're talking about a dead pig to collect those tissues. And I know that's been one of the big points of discussion in, in our, our veterinary community over the last several years is, you know, how on earth during this 72 hour standstill period, would we be able to collect all those tissues and all that blood from all the sites that we would need to assess in the, the immediate aftermath of identification of ASF here in the United States? How would we get all those samples collected? And, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, our, um, our generation of pig producers isn't equipped to do that. Um, I can remember as a kid, um, you know, snaring thousands of animals for my dad as he bled as part of the pseudo-rabies eradication. That was a different situation, different size farms, different number of veterinarians that did large animal practice, totally different resources. Um, and those we could use serum, not whole blood, too. Um, I think all of us are pretty nervous about the ability to conduct the surveillance we needed to conduct with the approved sample types in a short amount of time. Is that a fair way to say it? Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. One of the reasons why uh, whole blood is, uh, right, currently whole blood is the, is the uh, best sample uh, to collect and to submit is because African swine fever virus survives on the red blood cells. So that's the that's the easiest way uh, currently to determine. But there is a lot of work going on to understand uh, what other uh, sample types can be used for uh, African swine fever diagnostics, um, exactly for the same reason that you just enumerated. The, the sample types uh, that are currently validated are not current sample types that we would normally collect during our normal uh, herd visits. So we're diligently working to understand how can we um, uh, validate other sample types as well. Yeah, and we've gotten so used to the population sample types, uh, the oral fluids, the processing fluids, those sorts of things that be, can, can be collected from an entire population of animals. 
And, you know, we like that because not only are they easy to collect, you know, a, a lay person, not a veterinarian could collect them, but also they sample hundreds of pigs simultaneously compared to individual animal samples. Um, you've got uh, teleconnections in Eastern Europe, um, that, that wonderful East Texas accent that you have. Um, actually originates from Eastern Europe. And Attila, you really were kind of the brainchild behind an opportunity to collect ASF positive samples, or I should just say samples of known status, so that we can begin to look at some of those population level samples and try and get the regulatory folks um, comfortable that potentially those could help in, in, in the event that we do have an ASF outbreak. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that project and, and what the goals are and how we how we try and, um, and accomplish this demonstration of the population level samples compared to individual animal samples? The, the challenges with the population uh, samples is that we know how to interpret a positive result. It's really hard to understand uh, what to do with a negative result. It's hard to understand whether we would be able to catch the index case, the first case that would break in a farm with just uh, population monitoring samples. That's why uh, we were fortunate enough to collaborate with uh, National Pork Board, uh, USDA Foreign Animal Disease Laboratory on Plum Island, uh, USDA uh, National Animal Health Laboratory Network, the Romanian Veterinary and Food Safety Authority, and the Uni University of Agricultural Sciences of uh, Veterinary Medicine from Cluj-Napoca, Romania, and a private practitioner, uh, Dr. Adrian Bolaban and his team, where we were able to access uh, ASF uh, positive farms uh, and collect ASF positive samples there. These samples, these paired samples would allow us to understand uh, whether we can further validate other sample types like, uh, like oral fluid uh, samples, like uh, for example, serum samples. And um, this would help uh, the practitioner and uh, the producer to uh, more timely respond and identify uh, the virus in case it uh, in case there's any doubt. I think it's a really nice case study because producers and veterinarians would have had the same concerns about oral fluids for PERS testing, um, for PED testing. You know, when oral fluids was first identified as a sample type, um, one of our Carthage alums here, Dr. John Prickett, uh, got his PhD really in, in bringing that sample type to the, the industry. And I'm sure that people had the same questions, right? Well, a positive tells me everything. If it's positive, I know the virus is there for PERS in this case but a negative, right? Well, does that mean that all the pigs don't have it? Or, you know, was there a chance that some of the pigs had it, but they didn't chew on the rope? How does all that work? And really, we're just kind of taking the same approach that they did, right? Um, they would have been intentionally inoculated some pigs with PERS to get known prevalence within pens uh, of pigs. Uh, but we can kind of get a known prevalence by collecting individual animal samples on these farms that go through an ASF outbreak, where we know that the pens are going to have some positive and some negative pigs, right? And then we can figure out that pen level prevalence and associate that with the oral fluid sample results and try and say, okay, you know, a, a pen that has one positive pig, are the oral fluids positive? Should we expect that? Does it take two positive pigs or three positive pigs? What ultimately is that prevalence threshold? That's kind of the thought process, right? With the paired samples, understand the prevalence, see how that correlates to the population level results. Yes, you are absolutely correct. And 
uh, in this case, uh, the number of type, uh, the number and the type of samples uh, that were collected were developed with the help of uh, the USDA uh, National Animal Health Laboratory Network. So, and with the help of uh, uh, FADL, the Foreign Animal Disease Diagnostic Lab in Plum Island, uh, so it can uh, reflect uh, confidence in uh, validating the, this sample type. How are we going to get these samples tested, Attila? So we got a plan to get the samples collected, you know, in farms going through an outbreak. Is that going to be done in Romania? You know, can we do that back here in the U.S.? How's that going to work? Sure. So part of the study, uh, that's why I mentioned all our previous collaborators. Uh, currently, um, in Romania, the, the uh, in Romania, if there's any suspect case of African swine fever that gets sent to uh, the uh, national uh, health authority, the national health authority uh, through through their uh, lab systems confirms that yes, it was a positive case. In that case, it is decided within two to four days from that identification of the positive sample that the farm is going to be depopulated. So we were able to go into these farms with the help of the private practitioner, uh, Dr. Adrian Balaban and, uh, and his team. And we were able to uh, collect samples, all these paired samples, blood samples, oral fluid samples, and tissue samples that are uh, validated. And those samples were stored at minus 80 degrees at the university in Romania until we collected all the samples uh, needed to, to validate uh, this, these sample types. And uh, they were all shipped to Plum Island, uh, so uh, to the Foreign Animal Disease uh, Diagnostic Lab, so they can, uh, they can all be tested there. And uh, the goal would be to uh, validate uh, oral fluid or other sample types as well. Uh, that we more commonly use here in the U.S. for African swine fever monitoring and surveillance. What are all the different sample types that are going to be collected from these populations, Attila? Uh, blood, uh, whole blood sample, serum sample, oral fluid sample, and uh, spleen. Awesome. Awesome. And that'll be all samples collected from the same pig, essentially, right? So we'll be able to see which of those samples are positive. Um, if, if any of the samples are positive for a pig, we'll assume that pig was positive, but then we'll kind of get to see how does that, how does that positivity rate progress through the different samples that we have? Yes, that would be the other objective of the study. The first one is to validate uh, oral fluid samples and other uh, sample types for ASF diagnostic. The other one is to understand how the virus is moving through a population. Yep, yep, and all that testing will be done at Plum Island. So not just here in the US, but you know, at one of our top regulatory labs and a lab that's gonna be very influential in what samples we collect and test. Yes, that is correct. And in order to, to be compliant with uh, all the regulatory requirement, uh, the, the, the university in Romania collaborated uh, with the Foreign Animal Disease Diagnostic Lab and with, world, with the help of World Courier, who delivers these type of samples, they were directly delivered to the uh, diagnostic lab in uh, Plum Island. Yeah, and we're talking what, 20 samples, 30 samples, something like that? Uh, no, uh, we're talking about uh, 3,000 serum samples, uh, serum and whole blood samples. We're talking about uh, 202 oral fluid samples and uh, eight uh, spleen samples. Yeah, uh, that's 
to me, that's really awesome. I mean, thousands of samples going to Plum Island to the exact right lab. Um, I mean, it really seems like we have the, the regulatory folks involved and engaged at a very deep level. And it seems like they ha have the same questions that we do and the same desire to answer those questions. So just in case there's anybody out there who's thinking, oh boy, you know, the government, they set up a testing program that maybe isn't, you know, perfectly practical for day one. In my brief interactions with this project, it sure seems like the folks that we've interacted with on the regulatory side have really been willing and excited to help. Yes, I agree. They were they were very engaged, uh, very helpful, uh, and we've had uh, very good communication throughout this whole study. Awesome. awesome. There's a lot of there's a lot of drive uh, behind it, and a lot of interest on in understanding uh, how we can better uh, uh, how how we can better assess and how we can perform better surveillance of our farms for African swine fever. Yeah. Medicine and health, they know no borders, right? Um, the, the diseases don't care what side of the globe they're on or you know which geographic boundary they happen to cross. Um, and so I think it's really neat that, that Attila, you've led the, the collaboration. And I know there's many people contributing and you're a very humble guy, so you're not gonna wanna take credit for any of this, but I do wanna say thank you for this relationships are everything in business and, and your your web of connections from you know the, the folks in Romania to the folks here at National Pork Board and, and USDA and, and Plub Island to me that's been really neat to see you bring all this together I know you have put countless hours into bringing this to fruition and I know that this is not a not a big moneymaker project right this is very much something that you try to do for the goodwill of the industry but I personally want to say thank you on behalf of not only everybody here at Carthage but the entire industry not just in the U.S., but throughout the world, because this information that we learn, it can be applied for ASF battles from here to China, to Romania, to Germany, to Myanmar, to Thailand, to the Philippines, everywhere in the world that either has ASF or may be challenged with it. Yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure, and it's as you mentioned, it's been a very uh, it's been a collaborative work. I would like to single out uh, Dr. Pam Zabel from the National Pork Board. Dr. Christina Loyokanu from uh, the National uh, Animal Health uh, Laboratory Network, Dr. Chung with Paddle and the Foreign Animal Disease Diagnostic Lab, uh, Dr. Uh, Supianu from the Romanian government, uh, Romanian uh, Veterinary Service, uh, Dr. Uh, Andrei Mihalka uh, from the university. Uh, he, he coordinated the, the delivery of the, of the samples and uh, Dr. Adrian Balaban for collecting those. So very grateful uh, to have the opportunity to work with these wonderful people. Excellent. And we, do believe, we, we do believe that this is gonna bring uh, very useful information for the industry and for, uh, for the US producers, swine producers and global swine producers as well. Uh, Attila, Romania uh, has been unique in Eastern Europe because um, they have had more infections in domestic farms than some of the other countries, at least um, reported more, um, more infections. And I know it's always sketchy, right? Belarus kind of sticks out sometimes when you look at the map as to why they haven't had as many cases reported. So I know the reporting's not perfect, but can you share your thoughts and maybe some optimism for U.S. producers on the farms, the domestic farms in Romania that have struggled with the outbreaks? What are the characteristics of those farms versus the other farms that the outbreak rate has been much lower in? Can you maybe offer some, some thoughts on cause and effect, why some farms break and why some farms don't, so producers can have a bit of an optimistic outlook of what they can do to make their farms be in the category of the ones that don't break? Sure. 
by security and by security measures that are instrumental in preventing the disease introduction into a farm. Um, the first case uh, that was detected in Romania was in 2017. And since then, it's been uh, a constant battle uh, to, uh, to try and eliminate this disease. As I mentioned, if a producer is diagnosed with, or if a farm is diagnosed with African swine fever, the whole farm is getting depopulated. Currently, we are following the European Union regulation, which, which states that you need to have the farm uh, disinfected two times, and it has to be done for 45 days uh, before uh, you can start uh, repopulating that farm. Um, it, it is a very devastating disease. Uh, the moral of the producers is very low. Uh, and as I mentioned, it, the virus is not slowing down. It continues to, uh, it continues to wreak uh, havoc in, uh, within those producers. Uh, interestingly enough, here recently, some of the farms, even with very, very good uh, uh, biosecurity measures that would uh, mimic the US swine producer biosecurity measures, uh, have had hard time keeping the virus out, and, and some of them, some of them broke with African swine fever. Uh, at this time, we believe, as I mentioned, biosecurity is pivotal in keeping the disease out. Unfortunately, once the virus gets uh, uh, into a region and you have a higher uh, pressure, viral pressure in that region, uh, even uh, even those biosecurity measures become very. Uh, uh, it can be very difficult to keep the virus out even with following those biosecurity measures. Obviously, the farms that do not follow strict biosecurity measures were the ones that broke initially, and those are the producers that have have suffered have suffered the most. That sounds a lot like PERS and PED, right? Um, your health status tends to follow your neighbor's health status. And that's where I think this, you know, information sharing is, is so valuable, not just across countries, but within our own country and our own industry, right? Biosecurity isn't something that somebody should look at as necessarily a competitive advantage. If you, if you, if you know something you can do to help your neighbor, do it, right? If you have a disease challenge in your herd that you know is transmissible, try not to give it to your neighbor because the last thing you want to do is clean up and then have your neighbor be a risk for giving it back. And that's true whether it's ASF, PERS or PED. So hopefully producers hear this message that biosecurity has value and they work on implementing it for PERS and PED today. And, and you know, in hopes that we never need to use it for ASF, but if ASF shows up, you're going to want to have top-notch biosecurity so that you're not one of the farms that gets infected. Yes, you are. You're absolutely correct. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for the time, Attila, um, not just today, but for everything that you've done as part of this project. I know I and everyone in the industry, and again, not just here in the U.S., but throughout the world, is excited to find these results. Um, it's a pivotal question, right? Can we use population-based samples to evaluate whether farms are infected or not with ASF? If not, it's going to make the challenge even harder when it gets here. But if we can demonstrate that the population-level samples, like oral fluids, can be effective. That gives us one more tool in the toolbox for the fight, should we ever have to fight it. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in and listened. Um, I want to say thank you again for Dr. Attila for being a part of this. Uh, for Carthage Veterinary Service, this is Dr. Clayton Johnson, host of the Swine Doc Pod with Carthage, signing off and wishing you a great day. Thanks, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.